Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. I am now officially recording. Are you officially recording? I am. I am officially recording. Uh, my audio file is just called Resident Evil Again, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I've just... I think, I think I'm at that point in the grieving process that is Resident Evil in which I'm kind of just numb. You know, like like the hurting is still there. It's still happening, but like... Some kind of deeper layer of my psychology has kicked in to defend me. And I think I've watched the whole thing over the course of like a day and a half. And I, I, I think that there are core parts of my mind that like, like, like some kind of intense like psychic attack defense program. I like can't be too cognizant of this Resident Evil product. Um, I mean, it, can you imagine being a fan of Resident Evil now? Ooh, we're, we're going to talk about that like, one. Oh boy. Like, ding 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 are, ding ding. Not having a good like. How many how many L's can like one fandom hold? This is it's not good. It's not looking good for them. Um, because this is what they this is what they keep they keep getting given stuff like this and told that it's the stuff they should like. We're we're back here again. I I feel like I feel like I'm living. I feel like I'm living the same kind of moments. You know, everything feels. Everything feels very familiar to me right now, and it's it's it happened in, in less than a year. We went from last year's incredibly boring Welcome to Raccoon City movie to this one, uh, which oh boy, <laughs> I think I think that's the only way to describe it. Is just like is is this some kind of like seasonal thing that that we must weather going forward as as critics of media. Yeah, it's like getting through seasonal affective disorder. It's like every year there's a new Resident Evil, and you're like, I know it's coming. I've got to, I've got to focus on myself. I've got to take care of myself. Otherwise, otherwise, this is just going to be a very bleak period in in in, in my life. It just, it's like you just look in the far, farmer's almanac, and it's like, okay, like af- after the nor'easter, there there's going to be a, a a dip in temperatures, and then the Resident Evil Netflix product is going to sweep through, and we should. We should definitely get all the crops preserved before then. Yeah, uh, we're back here again, everybody. Welcome to another installment of the, the like Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill. Um, welcome to the premier Resident Evil media review podcast. Jesus Christ, that is what we are, isn't it? You know, we'll never be done. We'll never like. And I think I think the only thing to do is to follow the advice of Albert Camus, and we must try in the sheer nihilistic absurdity of our existence. We're going to have to try and find some joy. We're going to we're going to have to try and find some way through this. <laughs> we must imagine Albert Wesker happy. <laughs> oh. We are we are talking about the Netflix Resident Evil series, which dropped pretty recently. And as we committed ourselves to covering all Resident Evil um, adaptations, we 
Uh, we have to we have to do this um we should not have signed that that legally binding document with umbrella i i did not know what in perpetuity meant at the time they they they're draining us it's like a podcaster's faustian bargain (laughs) uh we we thought it would be fun but then uh, the finger on the monkey's paw curls and um this is where we are now i i don't know ash do you do you do you have a pricey that you'd like to share um, I thought I thought about writing one, but then this technically falls under our retrospective miniseries, which doesn't get praises because the episodes are usually too short. So I didn't write one for this. Then again, this is a, a, a an entire TV show, so maybe this episode goes longer. It's a it's a confusing space. There's a lot of fine print in the contract with Umbrella. You know, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's difficult to navigate sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. But let us let's. Let us let us try. Let us try and kind of like go, get through this um, and find some kind of entertainment along the way and enter, as we always must, the pastel shaded suburbia that is the formalism zone. <laughs> zone, zone, zone. Observed by drones and constant social media. <laughs> uh, where would you like to start? Um, so, so the first thing I want to talk about is. The, the soundtrack for this, right? Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's lots of, like, timely pop music in, in this one, and in, in pop you're less gen- as, a, as a genre and more of as just meaning contemporary popular t- chart toppers. Part of that I really enjoyed. We'll, we'll get into this more in, in just a little bit here when we start talking about the formal aspects of the two timelines. Mm-hmm. But when it's young Billy and young Jade in high school, like, I love that the first thing we see is them in the backseat of dad's SUV listening to Billie Eilish going to their, their new school and their new community. I really enjoyed that. that that's like, I, I, mean, I, was, I was like, as a first scene in a Resident Evil TV show or movie, I was like, oh, okay, maybe we're, we're going in a new direction here. Something's, something's fresh. I, I, I gotta be honest, I, I see what you mean, but that scene just made my heart, the soundtrack choices specifically, Kind of made me go, oh, okay, because because it showcases this show's uncanny ability to at every juncture, at every moment of a creative decision, just to make the most crushingly obvious one. Yeah. So like, so like on the soundtrack, it's like, oh, we've met Jade, our point of view character. It's time to introduce Jade's uh, sister, Billy, and we're gonna do it with a Billy Eilish song. Uh, and Jade really likes. Billy, so we're gonna do it with Billy Eilish's song Oxytocin, and it's like, do you get it? I'm like, yeah, it's literally the most obvious possible choice. Yeah, for, for me, it really breaks down when we get into the future timeline, and they're still using, a, a, like, like the, the soundtrack choices play over action sequences in ways that, like, I think they're going for the like, you you do you do like a folky slowcore remake of like uh sympathy for the devil or something and then you put that over your gruesome action or horror sequence to to make it edgy i think it feels like that and that never feels right for me yeah um and also it means like this is a broader complaint than just the soundtrack but the the future timeline um had everything in that felt entirely devoid of stakes whatsoever um any yeah. action any action scene uh i i you never worry it's like oh so what 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 deus ex machina is going to appear to solve this problem and that's what happens 
Because like I say, every creative choice, every, every, so there are a couple of ways things can be kind of quote unquote bad. And there's like, you can be bad on the, on the kind of like sequence level, on the macro level, or you can be kind of like bad and uninteresting on the moment to moment level. And this is, this is just deeply uninteresting on the moment to moment level, and especially, especially in the future, especially in its future timeline. Yes. Yes. And I, and I think like, and we're, we're about to talk, God, I, I, so, I, I do so much future foreshadowing. I should be a writer for a multi-timeline Netflix Resident <laughs> Evil series. Um, but we're going to talk about this uh, uh, more right now. Maybe this will be a good segue in, into that. But the idea of kind of like this kind of like crushing, depressive pop Resident Evil set in a high school is like oh like like if, if you just whisper that phrase into me like i can feel like like that you know like the 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 goosebumps forming like ooh intrigue yeah okay yeah let's play. i i i don't hate that i don't hate that idea um and, and i so hate i hate the execution <laughs> yes yes and let's let's then talk about the kind of formal shape of this thing so there's two timelines so we have Jade and Billy and their dad, Albert Wesker, um, who are in high school in New Raccoon City, which is a company town owned by Umbrella. Uh, set, set very specifically and very importantly in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, a very important point that I think we should flag up, that this is a company town that is in South Africa um, that is very full of white people. Um which the show even draws attention to, I think, in the very first episode. Yeah, it's one of the first, like, dialogue points. That the, uh, Jade points out that, like, you're in South Africa and there's, like, two other black people here. Um, but then the show doesn't do anything with that point, um, which in a way is even, is kind of worse than just not bringing it up at all. Yes, I, I completely agree. And this is, this is an overarching problem with the show, right? That this is very much like art by committee. It one hundred percent feels like it. Honestly, like like, and, and no no shade to the people who wrote this thing and worked on it, but it really feels like somebody or some executive had like maybe thirty, you know, really clever lines of dialogue that they had written a year ago, mm-hmm. and they they stuffed them in into this thing, and all of the cultural observations, all the commentary, it's it's the most like pandering and condescending and like. The, the the show the the show must like as, as an object right as an object in this world with its own you know type of will and volition it almost I almost feel like this Resident Evil show hated me and and thought I was a fool not worthy of any time or attention yeah, yeah this this show this show thinks that you are okay so I have a kind of like metatextual reason why I think this show is bad maybe this is this is kind of like a good place to sort of drop this in. So would you would you like my theory? Would you like my my galaxy brain moment that I had? Uh, yeah, I live for these. This is this show is bad, uh, not for all of the reasons lots of the reviews say it's bad, which is like usual right wing culture war nonsense. It isn't that it's kind of too woke. Um, this show is bad because it's 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 kind of fundamentally intellectually uh, the products of cowardice in in universe. In our universe, this is exactly the kind of Resident Evil adaptation media product that the Umbrella Corporation would produce about itself. That's yes. why this is that's why this is bad. Because at its core, it, or at least in my reading of Resident Evil, it, it's about um, it, it is about corporate power and paranoia. That's what it's about, uh, which nece- necessarily 
demands a kind of political response. And what this show does, and what so many of the subsequent, uh, more, more recent Resident Evil adaptations have done, is take the aesthetics of, of that political response only and completely empty them of content. So it's like um, uh, Billy is very concerned about animal testing, but that's because animals are cute, not because there's any kind of actual politics to being against animal testing, right? So it's all about the appearance of its thematic resonance, and it's completely hollow, which is why, like I say, this is exactly the kind of Resident Evil media product that a certain arm of the Umbrella Corporation would produce about itself. Absolutely, right? And even even the animal liberation angle that's in this is expressly and 100% framed as Billy and Jade doing that to get back at their dad. Yeah, there's no, there is no, there is no, there is no politics here. Um, this is completely naturalized. This is this is driven home really, really depressingly when we get to the alternative to Umbrella, which is a, in northern France, uh, with the Brotherhood, who correctly, by the way, identify Umbrella as fascists, but then turn <laughs> out to be turn out to be completely kind of off the chain crucifix crucifixion loving cultists. Because there is no possibility of any political alternative to Umbrella, right? The the universe of this adaptation has no kind of political imagination. All it has is kind of like contemporary pop music and a shitty pastel color palette. And that, the, the Brotherhood angle, I think, is really important here, right? Because, like, Re- Umbrella is a fascist organization. Yes, correct. As, I, I, as are all I was so hopeful. I was so hopeful when, when this kind of, like, French mercenary appeared and went, uh, Umbrella, fascist. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I like, you know, this, what, this, what could have been? This, this speaks to, like, I, I think a, a very core problem with this show, and that's, you're 100% right. Like, any, any trace of engagement with our contemporary condition and politics is completely defanged. You know, what, what's the only alternative to a corporate fascist state? Politically ambiguant gothic death cult. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. like, like that, that is 100% how like a 64-year-old Netflix executive would describe Antifa. Yeah. Oh, they they were black and they always do dangerous stuff in the street and they have these radical ideas. Like, let's call them the Brotherhood. You know, like like it's there. There's nothing in there. These 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 are signifiers so empty and so hollow that the T virus just passes right through them. Absolutely. This and what's what's so frustrating is you you're completely correct. Which is like the initial premise, the present day thing, kind of like uh, people encountering. The problems of the corporate media, uh, the of corporate kind of structures and corporate power for the first time, you know, when they're still in school, I think that's a cool idea. There's something, there's something there which I actually really like. But all, all we can do again, because what's the plan? What's what's the? I, I I sort of like almost kind of wept when I saw this because what's the plan? We are gonna we're gonna tell the world what Umbrella are up to, and I'm like, we're still doing this. That's the mm-hmm. limit. That's that's still the unsurpassable horizon of of like what can we think of as a mode of resistance is like doing an Edward Snowden again. <laughs> and and I think like so I genuinely enjoyed a lot of the past timeline, right? Yeah, Where yeah, it's, me, it's me young too. Jade, me young too. Billy, Albert Wesker, clone dad. Cause it's cause it's genetically engineered zombie twin daughters and their their clone dad army trying to live in high school in 2022 while the world's burning down 
Yes. And there's something about that, like this this is full house, right? This this is saved by the bell, right? There, there's something that can be really endearing and emotional about having this kind of like it's not even it's not coming of age, but it's like, you know, like these these young adults, right? These teens kind of coping with the world that they're in in a sitcom situation is a classic formula for televisual content. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a classic bit. How how do you get it wrong? And I think for for me it falters in that that needed so much more space because there's so there's so much going on in that past timeline that you can't just like you, you they steamroll the whole thing. And part of me feels that like and I wonder if you felt this but like for for a little bit Jade doesn't really seem to interact with anyone. It's only Billy interacting with people. And people keep talking yes. about Billy being insane and maybe like you know, like like being being too crazy or something. And, and for a brief moment, I thought they were going to make Jade like a hallucination of Billy's. Oh, that would be cool. That and be and, cool. and that that would have like I don't know I don't know if that would have been good, but like it kind of feels like like that might might have been a scrapped idea that was tacked in there. Like the first couple episodes feel weird, but that could also be a pacing problem because we keep having to insert this future timeline. And like there is something to be said about like okay, well like. What would two teenagers do dealing with this weird situation, right? Because like this is kind of doing the RoboCop thing, yeah. yeah. We're like, like this is this this isn't some dystopian future that they're living in. This is one step removed from where we are today. You know, yeah. company company towns are coming back; they're mm -hmm. on the horizon. Yeah. And what what would teens do if they were trying to like fight back against the company town that they were stuck living in? You know, like there, there's something compelling in and throw throw the zombie spice and the Resident Evil fun on top of this, and like there's. There's a good show in there, but let's let's talk about the future a little bit. Uh, yep, yeah. uh, they decided to do this alternate timeline thing. I think uh, I think m my suspicion is my suspicion is um, the the Witcher did this, and that was a very successful Netflix show. Mm, so that, there we so go. That, yeah, that's, the formula that's kicks my, in. That's my that's my suspicion. The future plotline is 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 so is so boring. It's yeah. so boring. I honestly, there's there's kind of very little to say about it. I mean, if you've seen any zombie apocalyptic content in the last twenty years, you've seen the future timeline parts of the Resident Evil mini or the Resident Evil Netflix series. There, there um, is quite literally nothing new, nothing interesting. No, no, there is no character development that happens in there. there there's a few oh, surprise is, discoveries, but this is such an important point as well, which is like Future Jade has basically no agency. Mm -hmm. In that stuff is always happening to them. They don't actually do very much. They're constantly getting captured, and then a new group will come along, which will shoot all of the people who are capturing Jade, and Jade will run away, and then Jade will get captured. And it's this endless kind of slog through uh, often very poorly and choreographed action that that doesn't do anything. And Jade, Jade makes two agential decisions in the entire show. Uh, Jade decides. So, so at, uh, towards the end of the series, uh, Jade is. We f we come to find out that future Jade is living on a research vessel with a bunch of like kindly, well mannered academics. Right? Jade makes the unspeakably baffling decision of. I'm, I'm assuming because the ship is called the, the the university, right? I'm assuming they have like an uh, you know ethics research board. Right, like, or, or something. You know, Jade makes the baffling decision to take a life raft out to sea, fish hook a zombie from the ocean, solo drag it in, tie it to the wall with, with just some random tie-down straps, and then start experimenting on it without telling anyone. And it's like, 
Jade up to this point has been coded as this extremely competent, you, mm-hmm. you know, like, like knows weapons, knows systems, right? Like knows how to take care of herself, rugged, independent. And then like to just do do that when her daughter lives on the ship, when her partner lives on the ship, when everyone she cares about lives on the ship to, to willingly and knowingly like ultimately kill some of the people she really cares about. It's just it is the most baffling decision and I know they're trying to make it like, oh, she's just like her dad, Albert Wesker, who only ever cared about work and never thought about anyone else. But that's underdeveloped. We, we never we never we never get that. We never get her struggling with her identity with her father. They just tack that on there to make that baffling decision to have more action, have some weight to it. Yeah, absolutely. And and so much of this is framed in just some of the some of the most Netflixiest dialogue. It's it's it, the dialogue is that this is not good. And fair enough, you don't go to a Resident Evil adaptation for good dialogue. Um, that was you go never- for crazed dialogue. Yeah, you go for like stuff which is absolutely kind of off. The wall. You, you, you go for you go for romantic musings about the fall of the Soviet Union, dovetailing perfectly into commentary on NATO and police states. That's yeah. what you go to Resident Evil for. But the, the dialogue in this is, um, again, I think it was it was designed to sound very cool. I'm pretty sure there are there are lines that were written just so they could be turned into reply gifts. Yeah. Um. Or there were moments that were designed to be like. Oh, that's gonna make a gif. That'll go. That'll go viral. And it's like, uh, no, it's like we have boring action and like very, very dull, often very kind of immediately dated dialogue. And and like like the one the one bit of dialogue that everyone is of course talking about is, uh, so Billy gets into a fight with another girl at school, and that girl's father is like, Billy needs to be expelled. I I demand recompense. And then, and then we find out that Billy's dad is Albert Wesker, one of the the head researchers at Umbrella, who has immense pull inside the company town. Which could have been an interesting plot point to explore, explore the, like the politics and horror of living in a company town, but it wasn't. But like, we we get to this moment, right? And and the thing that he says is like, oh, he's threatening to have the the other father fired if he doesn't like stop pursuing his his course. Yeah, um, and he says like, "Oh, I don't want you fired. I want you blacklisted. I want Pornhub to shred your resume." And it's the most like baffling, baffling choice. Like, s- set aside for a second the fact that like, okay, like, what's the worst place that a tech person could work? Pornhub. Okay, well, there's like commentary that's very anti-sex worker, that's very horophobic, and all these other things. Like, set that aside for a second. Like to just to have that be like the biting quip. Like, it feels like that was so calculated. It feels like, you're 100% right, it feels like they sat down and they're like, we need a moment that's going to go viral so we can get organic click marketing. And and they achieved it at the expense of us, the viewer. Yes, absolutely. Because as you said, this show thinks that you are a tiny baby who needs to be constantly reassured and kind of patronized. And this is this speaks to the shape of Netflix products, right? Like... Netflix shows are built to be disposable. They're not built to last more than a single season, but they could go viral, which means they all have to be open-ended, right? No one in this show dies. Yes. Because everyone in the show has clones or cyborg backup copies, or they're a super mutant genetically engineered soldier. Like everyone who, who dies has the potential to just come back as something else down the road. You know, yeah. like the, the show has no stakes, no weight, the only part that has weight is the past, and 
I almost feel like that's because we expressly know that that's coded as having had happened already. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's entirely, it's entirely disposable. It's entirely empty. Like, there's something, there's something to kind of share about this, which is like, the, the reviews for this have been very split. And as I said, lots of people have said that it's actually pretty good. And lots of people have said it's very bad. The majority of people who've said it's bad don't ha- have gotten why it's bad completely wrong. Um, but here's, here's, here's just one paragraph, or actually just a couple of sentences from a, a four-star review of this, which I think is incredibly revealing, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it is, quote, It is so much fun. Billy gets into a Titan bloody spot after Titan bloody spot, just as all hope looks lost. A new gang of heavily armed people turn up to save her or attack her attackers. Uh, I think they've mixed up Billy and Jade here. Uh, Billy is free again. Great gouts of blood spurt everywhere. Flesh squishes. Chainsaw splintered bone. I promise you won't think about politics for a full hour. I'm like, how? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just about uh, biopharmaceutical companies um, uh, exercising, you know, ludicrous amounts of biopower upon a mass population uh, due to an incredibly uh, infectious uh, viral strain. I'm like, in the wake of COVID-19, how can we make a Resident Evil that is apolitical, where you're not going to think about politics? And I'm like, that's why this is bad. That's precisely why this is bad. I I couldn't agree more. Uh, Let's Let's uh, leave leave the formalism drone zone, and uh, how about we how about we go visit the discourse company town, where oh. you can use your HV script to buy fun things like uh, mysterious food slurry and uh, I don't know corporate surveillance drone yeah, something. You, know, you should absolutely secure your birth in the forthcoming HV company town uh, through our Patreon, which is Patreon.com/slash/HorrorVanguard. <laughs> Uh, where you'll get early access you'll get early access to everything we do you'll get the bonus episode and of course access access to the hv crypt uh the discord server the spookiest discord server on the podcasting left um yeah when we when we reach fifteen thousand patreon subscribers uh you will get a key to your home in the hv company town Uh, so they they have it they have it you've got to hold it you've got to hold ash to that <laughs> however your houses are going to look a lot better than the, than the, the umbrella company town in, in the oh, resident yeah. Evil netflix series those houses look horrible just awful horrible. just awful oh dis- disgusting anyway so Let's jump into... So we've already talked a little bit about the whole company town thing that's going on here. And for our listeners that maybe don't know what a company town is, these used to be very popular in the early 1900s. A company would literally own the town in which you lived. You know, your your housing, your food, everything about your life would be conditional on your employment to that company. And you would not be paid in money. You wouldn't be paid in money that you could say, take to a different town, right? You would be paid in something called company script, which was only exchangeable to the approved stores in said town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and again, a lot of a lot of the Paul W. S. Anderson films were about this, or at least the early, the first two, first three, maybe, were very much about this kind of horror of sub- this suburbia, suburbia being this place where like chaos kind of kind of emerges. Um, so we're back here. We're back here in another company town, and this one reads a bit more like a kind of tech 
company campus, right? This is like, yeah, this is it's kind of pulling off of like Google or Amazon, I think. Yeah, this is the forthcoming Amazon company town. Um, it is part- not far away from being rea- reality. No, and part of my big problem with this show is that it has a very neutral portrayal of the company town. Outside of that one moment where Albert Wesker threatens to get a man fired, you know, which that is even slightly disconnected from the whole company town thing because that's just your boss being your boss. Yeah, absolutely. But like, there, there's no real grappling with the the nature of this outside of some commentary on surveillance technology. But ultimately, like, th- this total absence of freedom that is the defining quality of a company town is largely absent from the show it's just it's just a place where they live it's just another suburb you yeah know, they've like, got they've got five they've got five cupcake stores two of them are vegan and like that that was a kind of that was a funny that was a funny line of dialogue because i was like oh yeah this is this is what present day mega corporations do rather than having good um things like worker worker protections or decent salaries or things like that um, I'm sure all the people who work in New Raccoon City get unlimited PTO, which is a cool, like, new trick of big American corporations mm-hmm. because it actually means people take less time off overall. Yep. Because you're not, there isn't a right. You have to kind of, it's a, it's a privilege. You make workers kind of like police themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're all observed by drone. Everything looks very cool. But it's like, I bet, I bet, like, uh, the, the, there is there is no kind of like uh, protection of rights. There is no protection of labor rights. Your boss can just threaten to fire you uh, when you're at your kid's school, and that's fine. And I'm like, yeah, this all seems this all tracks. This is all exactly the kind of working situation that we're headed towards. And who 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 Pretel is entirely absent from the Resident Evil Company Town. There's one there's one set, almost a class of people, if you will, <laughs> that do not exist <laughs> in this Netflix division of a Company Town. There, there are no sanitation workers. There, there, there's no landscaping people going around. There, there's no one doing public works. The, the material upkeep, right? This is only depicted in one character, and that's Evelyn Marcus's wife, right? The, yeah. the CEO of Umbrella. Like we, we see, we see her wife doing a lot of cooking and domestic activities. Um, and, and that is some exploration of these issues, some exploration of domestic labor uh, under a company town and capitalistic context. But but to strip out everything else, like like this town would like it's like Disney, right? Like, you know, you never see the people changing the garbage at Disney because they have a network of subterranean tunnels where they force people to live like Morlocks. Yeah. You know, like and like that's what will be going on here. But it's absent from the show. Yeah. You know? yeah and and there, yeah. there are compelling things that are underexplored because this thing lacks any teeth. It's it's a zombie dog that's entirely toothless. Yeah. I mean, this is this is this is what I mean when I say. This is, it's a show that Umbrella would make about itself. Yes. You know, there's 100%. no, it, 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 there is, there is the aesthetic veneer of actually having something interesting to say, but the show doesn't have any kind of like, doesn't have a, any, a, the show thinks Resident Evil is completely apolitical as well, right? It doesn't have any kind of like intellectual or political commitments. What it's interested in is getting renewed for seasons two and three. And going viral and getting positive press coverage and having enough plausible deniability, which we're about to talk about. Yes. But before before we talk about how this show achieves plausible deniability, uh, we need we need to talk about 
uh, the AIDS crisis and COVID, two recurring uh, yes. subjects in this show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our, our, our characters are very wont to describe the T-virus in relationship to AIDS and COVID. I, I think as a, as a broad statement, like, it is 100% okay to make a zombie movie that is, that is an, an analogous to and an exploration of real-world existing mass pandemics, viral diseases, healthcare crises, right? Like, like there, there isn't some like rule that says you shouldn't do that. Doing that on, on its face isn't inherently crass and, and awful. But the way in which this show does is, right? Because they're just used as name drops. You, you know, yeah, like they're, I, I, they're again, trading again, off of them. Entirely. Mostly because, mostly because the, 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 when you get onto the, the mass level, disease has a political, has a social and, and thereby political element, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, the AIDS crisis, uh, which um, obviously in many parts of the world is still ongoing. But yeah, it's, it's still ongoing in our countries too. Like this thing isn't over. Is a political problem, right? Because mm-hmm. it, as was seen in uh, most famously in like Reagan Republicans refusing to 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 even say the word AIDS. You know, there's a an, the press conference where a reporter asks about it, and Reagan's press secretary says, "Well, nobody in the White House has it," and turns it into a punchline. Right? This is a, it's it is a political issue. It's a it's a political problem that you have to have something to say about if you're not going to do it in such a way that it becomes deeply tasteless. You know, they go, "Oh, it's not like COVID because you don't have to quarantine," and you're like, "Oh, is that the only thing that was kind of like remotely socially important about COVID nineteen? Yeah, clearly. Oh, oh, that's was, was that the bad part? Was that the yeah. bad part about COVID? Was that we had to stay inside for a while? Oh, I forgot. I, I thought it was all the people who died. Yeah, not not you know working class people, uh, people with disabilities, people who are immunocompromised who couldn't uh, stay inside all the time and then subsequently were killed by it. Mm-hmm. And, but, and like, but yeah, at least at least you won't think about politics whilst watching this. Oh, you know? Christ! It's it's just like if if there were to be a zombie apocalypse here in the world, like COVID has so clearly convinced me that that politicians would be like, well, we've only noticed the zombie virus between gay men who have sex, and and if you go to work, you'll be fine. You know, like that is 100%. That would be the party line. That would be Joe Biden's statement. That would be Boris Johnson's statement. Like, yeah. that, that would be the rolling motto until it got to a point where they'd have to shift the language to like, well, responsible citizens aren't getting the zombie virus because they're wearing their zombie virus proofing masks. Yeah. yeah you know, they, they would continue to abnegate responsibility and to, and to wrap that all into a throwaway line that, that, that's meant to be like, oh, AIDS. Like, what, what the fuck is that? If, if, yeah. if not a direct insult to everyone who's watching the show, this show is making fun of you while you're watching it. Yeah, you're being absolutely. bullied by a program. <laughs> um, oh, like like you totally you totally can you totally and maybe 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 it's even worth doing to try and talk about the socio political effects of pandemics, right? Um, the the book version of World War Z did this actually quite well. I thought. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a bit. It's you know it's not a book to take seriously, but it's like uh, it there there it does actually think that try to think seriously about what would it be like to live in the world of a zombie apocalypse, um, and it's like this one just thinks of it as a series of spectacles, right? A series of like 
oh, it's just stuff happening somewhere over there. And we'll throw in a few like, oh, you recognize that pop song? Oh, COVID, that was a thing, was it? It's mm. like, that's, it's like, the show has no respect for you at all. <laughs> right? Like, it, and I think another area of this is kind of, we need to talk about like queer representation in this show. Right, but because you know, like there, there's a lesbian couple raising their son, and you know, like there are other, you know, like non-heteronormative relationships going on with, with within the show. But like all of them have, I, I think, you, you know, like your descriptor for this is exactly correct. It's the exact same energy and cadence as if Netflix itself was doing a little documentary about how good they are for queer representation. Yes, and I think like. Like, are, are are we seals clapping as our captors feed us stale fish? Is this it? Like, yeah. you know, re- representation is not bad in and of itself, right? Like, there's something to be said for it. But, like, when Netflix is actively firing queer members of its staff, they're firing queer members of its staff that rock the boat, that organize, and then, like, and then they're churning out products like this to give them plausible deniability as a company, because oh, then yeah. they can did, go like, oh, we enjoy, have this in the show. Enjoy, uh, did you enjoy Resident Evil? Well, make sure to stay on Netflix so you can watch Dave Chappelle's new special. Yes, exactly. Queer representation is not being being a background character that, that can be trotted out whenever a company needs to shield itself from rightfully earned criticism. You know, like th- these are these are real people with real lives that that are making these shows and writing them and getting fired for trying to stand up for themselves. And then like N- Netflix throws in a couple background characters and, and you know, like w- which is 100 percent a calculated decision to make it all OK. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's like uh, I think one of the, the one of the kind of deeply sort of cynical things about it is its weaponizations of, weaponization of identity, mm-hmm. um, it, it, in a way that again is supposed to be a substitute for having interesting things to say with the source material. Like, because I'm not bothered by its lack of fidelity to anything as kind of silly as Resident Evil canon. Jeez, can you imagine <laughs> what what? what like Resident, the Resident Evil lore is completely bonkers and is is essentially unfilmable. Um, but like, what bothers me is like it is a film that it's it's a series that kind of like just wastes its potential upon empty and extremely hollow, cynical performativity as a cover for having n- nothing of interest to try and say. Absolutely. And even like, I appreciate some of the ways that the show engages with the, the quote unquote Resident Evil canon. Like, the show is Resident Evil pastiche. Yeah, totally. You, you know, uh, like which, it's, is, which, playing, is, which is fine, obviously. Which, which is all, all Resident Evil products are. They're all, whether it's a game, yeah. whether it's the Pachinko machine, whether it's the next movie, they are all pastiche of each other. Correct. And you get, you get like, I mean, like there are cute moments like Wesker saying the original Albert Wesker died in a volcano. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that, that, yeah, that's cute. The fans are going to, they're going to nod along because Wesker died in a volcano. But also like, what, 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 what then is that? Right. And, and I think this kind of le- leads me on to the next thing that I, I wanted to talk about with this, because like that, that line has nothing to do with the show. That's not for the characters. That's not for the progress of the narrative. That's not something that we're getting as kind of this televisual experience, right? 
that's that's expressly to give a nod to the fandom. Yeah. Right. So so that the most ravenous fans who were like, well, Wesker couldn't have done X, Y, and Z because Wesker. Yeah. And, well, and like, ac- actually, and it's like nobody cares, you massive nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's like th- that that does reveal something incredibly important, though, right? Because a joke like that in a different in a different show and a show that's very has the strength to grapple with the political context it constantly invokes could could have been a cute little aperitif it could have been this refreshing little break from from kind of the the heavy weight that resident evil often tries to lift but in this show it reminds us that the function of netflix's resident evil program isn't to further the stories of resident evil or to tell a compelling tale or to showcase some kind of new cinematic capability it's merely to sell product and the product is a netflix subscription yeah this is this is a different paint on stranger things and the witcher and all the other netflix shows that they try and ride as their subscriber numbers flag yeah it's it's deeply cynical and i'm sort of like uh you sort of see the cynicism in the way that it treats evelyn and the way like there's huge huge chunks of this where we just have um, endless self-justifications for the antagonists of the show where they go oh but we really care about what we're doing and i'm like uh firstly i don't believe that to be tr- true and secondly <laughs> it's like it's kind of going like ceos really do think they're making a difference and I'm like i don't watch resident evil to have that discussion right that's not what it, it's not what i'm here for this if, this if- if the Resident Evil franchise is good for anything, it's good for being 100% open and okay with the fact that your boss is some kind of horrible yeah, you, monster that would grind you into ha- paste. Your boss hates you. Your boss hates you and would happily liquefy your organs if they thought it would increase their end of your bonus by like 3%. Resident mm-hmm. Evil has always understood that, but instead we get this show which is like, well, actually Evelyn thinks that she's going to change the world for the better. And it's like, that's just the lie that CEOs tell themselves to help them sleep at night. Right. And even like, so at the end of the series, we, we find out that future Billy has used like cybernetic enhancements to turn Evelyn's body into some kind of ageless automata. Right. That, that, that future Billy can control in order to have control over Umbrella, but shield herself from the very political consequences of that. Yeah. And like, and like for a brief moment, I'm like, oh, that's really clever. Right. Because what is a CEO if not a puppet? For the company yeah. itself, if not this thing that necessarily has to become inhuman in order to facilitate shareholders and stock prices and like to, to, to be the boss is to constantly carve out chunks of your own humanity. Yeah, it's and to like, be the oh, host, isn't it? It's to be the yeah. host of the the kind of like um, the, the, the signal that is capital itself. And but but we find out that Evelyn Evelyn's not really dead and full of robot parts she she's alive in there and just temporarily under control from something that doesn't really matter and that and that's i'm 100 percent convinced that that's because if if the, the the marketing researchers at netflix found out that evelyn was an incredibly popular character that pulled really well and audiences wanted more of her well then yeah. then she can come back just just like we have infinite wesker clones so that in the next yeah. season of wesker can come back yeah totally totally Oh, and, and this this is just like what what is happening when we're watching this thing? You you know, like the space between kind of televisual televisual media and and the commercial itself 
and Netflix is just just collapsing. Yeah, I I sort of feel like I sort of feel like people listening might be like, well, what did you expect? It's a Netflix show. And I'm like, isn't that the problem? Isn't that precisely why this mm-hmm. is bad? Isn't that is it like like something that was yes, admittedly pretty goofy, but has like some interesting things to say has just become. Oh well, what did you expect? You know, I I, I feel like that. I feel like that in, in and of itself says something, right? The fact that people would go, well, why would you expect to get something that was, you know, entertaining or had uh, or tried to do something with the material? Why why would you expect that? Why would you have kind of standards or, or ideas about what culture could be? And I'm like, well, that's the problem, right? That's mm-hmm. the very the very fact that this would be the criticism that's raised about what we're saying. People would go, yeah, of course you're right, but like, well, why would it be any different? I'm like, well. It could be different, right? There isn't this. There's this kind of like fatalism to that argument where they go, "Oh well, you know, that's just what cultural production means now." And I, I'm like, I, I mean this completely sincerely. Watching this show made me realize that we were way too hard on Paul W. S. Anderson. Oh, way too hard. Uh, like King, King, yeah. come back. All, all is forgiven. Uh, you know, make, make your, make your two-hour CGI fests of Vila Jovovich. Uh, jumping off things which are exploding please Please, and and that's something that's something that i was honestly thinking about while i was watching this because like even the you know like in my opinion like even the worst resident evil games like five and six right Mm -hmm. even some of the worst paul ws anderson resident evil movies especially the later entries even welcome to raccoon city like they're all kind of these spectacular failures they they have they have these big ideas and these starry eyed dreams and they're 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 like chasing they're the kind of like large and ever shifting like philosophical conversations that Resident Evil is necessarily engaged in by by what mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. and then like the, the, this one is like okay well, what if we didn't try yeah what if we didn't try it at all what if we just focused on generating some new subscribers and making sure we get re- renewed for uh two but maybe three seasons before they cancel the show right and, you, and even and even that like you know like is there that desire to get renewed for more seasons behind this or is it like oh the product was successful because during the initial month run of netflix's resident evil series subscriber counts went up by x percent viewing time of those programs went up by x percent here's how we can inflate these numbers well done team yeah yeah, yeah like we, we've got the license to this property for another x years let's keep churning out content because people yeah. know the resident evil branding they'll click you on know the, resident the brand evil. you know the brand that's, and there's, that's stuff there's so much wasted stuff in here like the, the actors for Billy and Jade, both past and present, did a phenomenal job. This is my favorite depiction of Albert Wesker. Yeah, ever. I, 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 I was really, really hoping we would get to we would get to bring that up because, um, oh, what's what's the actor's name? Uh, I've got it here somewhere. Uh, Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick is great as Wesker. Yeah, totally my favorite Wesker. I will miss, I will miss my guy from the Paul W. Sanderson movies who looked mm-hmm. like a PS2 cutscene come to life. <laughs> uh, but Lance Reddick, I think, is is quite arguably the best thing in this. Yeah, uh, Lance, I agree. La- Lance is great. Uh, the actors who play uh, the daughters are also very good. I prefer Billy. I think Jade, especially older Jade, is um, 
uh, honestly a little bit weak, but this might have something to do with the fact that they don't have a great deal to do. That's my my exact thought, is that I think if we didn't have future Jade being this unagential kind of like drifting character, I would have liked past Jade a lot more. Yes, I think that's I think that's true. And like I love I love the idea of Albert Wesker as every vision of your banal suburbanite dad. Yeah, the, the authoritarian great. father, the, the, the overworked dad who's trying, the, the kind of bumbling oaf dad, and then also, uh, like, Blade? Uh, yeah, and also Blade. <laughs> I thought Which that was that, cool. When I saw that, I, I had to pause it for a second because I was like, wait, is that Blade? <laughs> Why is Blade here? <laughs> hang, on, hang on, Blade. But is that, that's, a, that's a really cool... Resident Evil world? That's a cool way of doing a vision of Albert Wesker. Like, like yeah. that was, like, like, that past stuff. Like, give me, give me like a three episode arc where Blade Dad shows up and he's like, all right, kids, uh, you know, like authoritarian dad had to go away on a meeting. And so he called in Blade Dad to take over. I see there's a PTA meeting. Let's go. Yeah. Like, right, I, right. oh, my God. Like, like, I want Resident Evil Full House. I want yes. Resident Evil Saved by the Bell. The potential there is just like, give me this depressive pop working class company town fucked up resident evil nonsense and i will just like i will i will just just eat that like candy candy with cogent political cores like but instead we have to do the future thing which is just your generic zombie apocalypse i'm already tired <laughs> yeah absolutely uh and the paul ws anderson films did that much better and, and that's that's the thing like like it almost doesn't matter Right, if the Paul W. S. Anderson movies and if if the Resident Evil games had done a kind of visions of post-apocalyptic futures better or worse than the Netflix series, what matters is that it's been done now. Yeah, you know, like we we know what, and especially like beyond the context of Resident Evil, the zombie apocalypse future. We know is, what that looks like in 2022. That is the most well-trod territory in horror, second only to maybe like a generic possession movie. Yeah, you know, like like zombie apocalypse is is convention at this point is formulaic. It is set. We know what happens. We know what it's like. We know what the characters go through. You you, you would have to literally reinvent the wheel of horror to make a zombie apocalypse have any weight anymore. And and that is kind of like just on just on a raw temporal level that is beyond what is capable with half of an episode in a Netflix series. Yeah, it's it's. I think this is a kind of fair summation, which is like there, there, there is potential in this. There is potential. There's, there are some, there are some great actors. Um, there is clearly a lot of um, money that went into it, um, you know. But a lot of it, a lot of it feels just kind of flat. And um, the very worst thing about Welcome to Raccoon City and this is that for big stretches, they're just boring. It's not that it's not even that it's not even that it's it's kind of like bad in certain ways it is, but a lot of it is just boring. And uh, Resident Evil should never be boring. It should be it should be kind of kind of dumb or silly. It should be wildly incoherent. It should be uh, in, in places spectacular, maybe even scary. But it shouldn't be boring. Mm. And this just this just feels like. Uh, the constant repetition of what is already familiar, and there's like it's the biggest problem, right? You you've taken something which sh- should generally, genuinely be uh, a kind of like bug out wild idea, 
and you've made it boring. Absolutely, right? And like that, that's, I think, an intentional byproduct of taking the politics out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. the, thing, the thing that makes the best moments... Like, like for me, like there are two experiences that I associate with like high Resident Evil, you know, and that's like when I first played Resident Evil 2 and when I go back to that game, like the tension of trying to solve a puzzle Mm -hmm. because I need some key or some some crank to get through to the next area and knowing that I'm running out of ammo, I'm running out of health supplies, the zombies are closing in, but I have to like I have to calm myself and I have to figure out how these chess pieces slot into this library (laughs) so I can get a, a, a little wheelie dealy like it doesn't matter. Like that, the tension in that has never been explored in a Resident Evil movie, and that is a crying shame. Um, and, and I think the other thing I think of is like the opening of that animated Resident Evil movie that begins with poetic musings about the Soviet Union. Yeah. Like, like Re- Resident Evil goes all in on having weird conversations about politics. It is not shy about bringing up imperialism and the military industrial complex and corporate uh, like fascism and like human experimentation, all of this weird stuff, resident evil, like revels in that. And I'm not saying it has good politics. I'm not saying it's, it's left leaning or cogent in the slightest. No, frequently. No, (laughs) it's all over the place and it's untrackable. And it's, it's got the energy of like, it's, it's just, just this mad fervor. And, and to, to, to try and that, that makes it really enjoyable for me because I love talking about media and to, and to try and like look at this ecstatic explosion of, of thought and meaning and try and trace anything through it. It's like it's like I'm like like sailing through a nebula trying to make any sense of things. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then and then we get to this one where it, it has all of the energy of uh, Netflix releasing a PR statement in the wake of their next anti-queer scandal. Yeah, uh, but hey, they've got Dua Lipa and Billie Eilish. You're like, oh, that's 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 what we get now. Uh, which and that in of itself could could have been interesting. Like that could have been good, right? Give me give me Zoomers in, in a in a company town li- listening to their Zoom and music while they like struggle with zombies. Like that's fresh. Like that could be compelling. That could have something at least inside of it. But then it has to get bogged down with this weird future plot that, like, is always so convenient, always so self-serving. It, it's just like, oh, it's just yeah, the just, most like just, tiring stuff. Yeah, you just feel kind of exhausted, right? Uh, with this, it's like it, it, it's not, it's not fun. It's not fun, which is such a big problem because, and it's even at its worst, Resident Evil has always been fun. Um, there's, there's, there's so much kind of like bloat and so clearly designed by committee and so clearly kind of focus group tested. Uh, it's, it's deeply soulless in, in, mm, you know, that's it. uh, so it doesn't, it isn't even given the kind of freedom and dignity of just being bad. <laughs> which, which is what every single piece of resident evil media deserves it deserves the freedom to be a spectacular train wreck yeah because that, that is like that's the core of the series right resident yeah. evil must be a glorious and triumphant failure yes absolutely i, I remember we like in previous episodes both of us have just basically been kind of like giggling to ourselves 
uh, about about this 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 kind of uh, franchise. But this one, we both we both started the call with just being like, uh, okay, time to time to try and find a way through this nightmare. This is this is like. <sighs> I, I don't even with this Resident Evil series because I'll never get over our conversations about previous Resident Evil movies because like you just don't know what to expect. They're going to do the weirdest, most off the wall stuff. They're going to have just bizarre conversations and drag you into these weird political and philosophical corners. And this one, this one is just like it's frictionless. Yeah, it, it wants it wants to make like the most trite and conceited commentary about something somewhere. And it always, it always ends up re recapitulating, right? Because like, re- sure. Umbrella is a corporate fascist nightmare, but like, what's the alternative? This weird goth death cult. Like, Oh, here's, here's a, here's a, a lesbian couple raising, raising a son. Um, but of course, one of them is a twisted you know, megalomaniac abuser Who's literally yeah, drugging who, who's their partner into submission? Yeah, he's drugging their partner and is out to essentially commit genocide for profit. Yeah, here's here's here, here's a single black father raising his two uh, surrogate and or adopted daughters. Oh, but he's he's a you know evil corporate guy with no heart who's just you know like you know he doesn't have the heart anymore to resist or something like 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 it always recapitulates right. None of this stuff can actually stand and explore the space it holds. It always mm-hmm. falls back in. To the Netflix corporate party line, yeah. And it, and again, you know, people are going to listen and they're going to go, "Oh, what did you expect?" What did you? And I think, you know, that's precisely the problem. That's precisely the problem that for all for all of its problems, for all of its issues, the franchise has always had a good good degree of imagination. Um, a lot of it is very badly done, but like, don't don't you deserve better? No, don't you don't you deserve uh, the 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 genuine freedom and dignity to be allowed to watch something that's just bad, and this is not given that. And that's like when you try. There's always the risk of failure. Even the most well laid plans can be brought to ruin by unforeseen missteps. And the only thing that can mitigate failure is to abnegate any kind of agency. Because when you surrender total control over yourself, it doesn't matter what you pick. It doesn't matter what you do. Someone else has their hands on the wheel that is your soul. And that's what this is. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.